Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel America's number one sports book is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, joined by Mike Ferguson today. Now, Mike has been on an episode before, but he's here today to talk specifically about the dual threat quarterbacks in Ravens history. And Lamar Jackson is not the first. In fact, he's the culmination in some ways. Right, Mike? Yes, sir. Yeah. So kind of looking at the history of Ozzy and his tenure with the Ravens, um, you know, when Lamar had that great season the other year, they were comparing it to Randall Cunningham's 1990 season. It's like the best dual threat year ever. And it kind of made me think, I was like, wait, Randall Cunningham played here as well. You know, I was like, that's kind of interesting that we had probably the two best seasons ever, though Randall's was with Philly. And then I started thinking of like the other players that Ozzy has drafted and Ozzy has signed. And I kind of thought like, man, this is amazing. Like in Ozzy's last draft, it's like the culmination of his vision to find this great dual threat quarterback. So uh, a lot of guys, the Ravens got, as you mentioned, uh, Cunningham, a guy that, that Billick had had at Minnesota, had a big year for him in 98 when the, when the Vikings were very good and, and lost the NFC championship, uh, was already, I think he might've been 38 years old when he came to the Ravens. He was certainly an, an old guy only there for one season to back up Gerback. Um, and then they had the next year they had Jeff Blake, who was a journeyman, uh, definitely had some dual threat, but also a hell of a hell of a big arm too to go with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then so you know, you had Cunningham in two thousand one, Blake the next year, two thousand two, and then Steve McNair, uh, two thousand six. Like, you know, Steve as a I'm thirty-four, so kind of in my era, Steve was like the guy to look to as like the true dual threat big guy. I mean, he could throw it from the pocket. Um but when he broke out a run, he just was like a big, tough runner. Yeah. And that's kind of what we were hoping for when we got him in 2006. He's seen, you know, he ran a little bit here, but nowhere near like his peak years with Tennessee. Um, but, you know, I was like, man, you know, the 2006 year, we were really hoping that McNair could be that guy to take us over the top. And I'm like, Ozzy, when he really needed a quarterback, wouldn't got a guy that could run and could throw. Um, mm-hmm. Though McNair just didn't have the wheels that he had earlier on. Yeah, and then when you look at, like, the draft picks as well, you know, you just see this kind of this thread of Ozzy kind of chasing this this guy that could do both things um, in, the, in his offense. And so Troy Smith came along, and obviously he famously uh, got sick and lost his opportunity perhaps to, to have the starting job at least for a little while uh, before Flacco uh, came on. And then they had Tyrod Taylor. Mm-hmm. I yeah, always, always mispronounce his name, Tyrod Taylor, right? 
I think you're right. I, I always say Tyrod, but I don't want to be disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Tyrod Taylor, like you said, Troy Smith, another Heisman winner that, mm-hmm. um, you know, could run and throw. And then the interesting pick, um, you know, kind of looking back was Josh Harris in 2004, round six. He drafted him in, you know, that Bowling Green year. For whatever reason, I was watching those games. He was battling like with Roethlisberger and that division. For whatever reason, I was watching it. That was Urban Meyer's old offense. And like at the time, him and Randall L were like two of the most successful, like running and throwing quarterbacks of all time. And so Ozzy took a flyer on him in round six, 2004. Like you said, Troy Smith, 2007, Tyrod, 2011. And then another interesting one was Keenan Reynolds in yep. 2016, round six. He's like the greatest Russian quarterback ever. He wasn't as much the dual threat. He never really got a shot at quarterback. But I was just like, man, Ozzy kept taking shots on these quarterbacks that could run. And I'm like, I wonder if the whole time he was kind of hoping he would find what he found in like the most beautiful form in Jackson. Yeah. Keaton Reynolds, a very interesting story in terms of obviously coming out of the Naval Academy or whatnot in in his own self-evaluation, but certainly his 40 time would tell you this, not a fast guy, but a a guy who is all about heart as a runner and and probably some ability to read leverage that really helped him at the college level, Uh, you know, running a triple option offense. Uh, you know, he's reading one player, two player, and then he's going. So you got to be good at that, at that uh, ability to read. And I, I imagine that was his, uh, uh, you know, his calling card in college that, that, that made him a good yards guy. Uh, but yeah, he, he was never really considered as a quarterback at the NFL level. He was going to be either a running back or a wide receiver. Yeah, and I, I remember, I believe he may have even got called up for one game, but I don't think he was ever active or played in a game for us. But, you know, it was just at the draft time, we're kind of like, oh, let's see what we got here, you know, and this guy. Um, and then, like I said, kind of going back to Josh Harris, the interesting connection with him is he ended up being Lamar's personal QB coach. Yep. So I'm wondering if, like, maybe, hey, Ozzy had this connection. You know, everybody saw the talent with Lamar, but he had, uh, you know, probably that connection through Josh into, like, the mind of Lamar, the, the work ethic of Lamar to know, hey, this guy's not just talented, but he's going to be the hard worker, the leader that we need to really run this offense that I guess maybe Ozzy was trying to run maybe the whole time. Who knows? That's interesting. I didn't I didn't know that Josh Harris knew him when he was, say, at Louisville or whatever, but it makes sense. I mean, if, that that they would at least have crossed paths and, and Harris would have given him some sort of an update on him if, if they had. But uh, it, it's it, certainly the, the success story is remarkable. I mean, it's it should be a um, a sign for any young player that you really want position-specific coaching in the offseason. And if you commit yourself to it, you can make enormous strides as a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we see Lamar went up another level this year. But, um, you know, just it's just kind of amazing, like, the connections. And I think that's, you know, kind of a, that's a side point. But when you look at a lot of the signings and stuff, it's often those different connections. Like, you know, like I said, even if he wasn't with him at Louisville, Somehow they would have connected those two, I'm sure, you know, once Lamar got to the league. Like, it's not random that somebody that they drafted and had in-house was working with him, you know, as a QB coach when he was in the league. And you think about kind of some of the connections with the wide receiver coaches we have now and uh, getting Sammy Watkins over. Like, it's a lot of those things behind the scene, those connections that kind of tells the story of why certain players go. And, you know, um, because sometimes we see why would this player go to this team? And it might be an old position coach or something that he worked with before in yeah. college is now the offensive coordinator. 
or or their their general manager, say of the Jets, you know, liked a lot of the individual players as a scout for the Ravens, and yeah, yeah he wants to he wants to bring them back too. So we you do see that a lot. You see it, I think, in in every sport. But when they understand exactly what you can do, you have a leg up, certainly of of other free agents where they really don't know what they what they might be getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, kind of just to. The main thing I was looking at, like, you know, list of the best dual threat quarterbacks and three of the top 10 ever played here. And then, you know, after Ozzy, they signed RG3 that next offseason. So he doesn't have the records, the long term success. But when you think of dual threat quarterbacks, he's up there as well. So I'm like four of the top 10 ever, you know, played in this organization. It's just just an interesting little thread I saw there. And like looking at Lamar's numbers, I mean, McNabb, you got Newton, Wilson, um, McNair, like Lamar's rushing yards are already ahead of those, is already ahead of Elway. He's right at probably, he'll probably pass Tarkington this year. Like, mm-hmm. as good as he is, like, his rushing is even better than, you know, I imagine looking at just the numbers. Like, in three and a half years, he's already up there, probably right behind Vic and Cunningham as far as yards. You know, he'll mm-hmm. probably be right there third all time at the end of this year. And that's just yeah. amazing. Yeah, it is remarkable. I mean, obviously they've they've they may be using him more than they want to. The, yeah. the current system, I, I, I I've got a little aside here. I love the fact that Lamar can still be counted on for a lot of rushes per game because I think it adds an extra dimension to the offense. It makes every single one of the other ten players on offense better. I could even argue it probably makes the defense better as well, but it certainly makes the offense better. And the problem with the Ravens this year is they don't have that outside speed threat that allows them to maximize what Lamar is on what they've now chosen to be his role, which is basically because they keep their passing game in front of the quarterback, they want to play out a sidecar as opposed to pistol. So their, their mesh point handoffs come as a crossing point in front of the quarterback, which means that running back needs to have good off-tackle ability and good speed to get to the outside when he needs to. They just have not had that with these veteran guys. And it makes it harder for Lamar to do what is his job if he pulls, which is to run somewhere up the middle of the football field. And I think that is a real risk to Lamar to be to, to put him in that position. Yeah, like, you know, we won the Minnesota game. But when I looked and saw that he ran 21 times for 120 yards, like that's a that's an old fashioned running back workhorse type game. That's you. You don't want that from your quarterback, even if you win. You know, like, yeah. I'm pretty sure that had a lot to do with the game plan Thursday. He didn't run nearly as much. Like, there's no way you're not very sore taking off 21 times. You know, a lot of backs don't get over 20 carries on the regular, you know. Michael Vick's career high for carries in game, I believe, is 15. Wow. So, uh, when when uh, Lamar's first NFL start, he ran the ball 27 times, and it was the most that had happened. And by the way, the 21 was the most since then. Yeah. Okay, so it's the second most of his career. But but that that was the most that had happened since uh, John Jerry of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the early 50s. So it's wow. it's been forever since any quarterback had had run like Lamar had in that first game at 18. Yeah, but you know it's and. That's the reason you get the dual threat guy, though, because if you think without their running ability, we definitely lose that game. So even though he's having to do more, the fact that he can do that, that's what makes him different than any other player. Um, You know, like looking back through the other guys, Cunningham could really run. Vic could really run. Newton could really run. But like, you know, Russell Wilson, you don't really think of him as a running quarterback, though. I think I looked one year he had right at 100 carries. 
mm-hmm. which you wouldn't think of him really as a running, you know, as somebody has run and dominated the offense and more was used here and there. But really Lamar and Cam are the ones that really the offense was built around their running ability, you know, in recent times. And, you know, that's a good thing for the future. But also at some point, like you said, we got to got to get that pressure off him to have to run 20 sometimes. If he is breaking 15 scrambles because he just sees lanes and he's successful with it, that's fine. But, you know, a lot of those runs are nobody's open. Let me pull it and run up the middle and get piled on by some linebackers and D tackles. Um, it's just a miracle the way he's building his toughness that, you know, he's, he's holding up. He's, he's able to take those rushes. Right. He's, he is very good about going down. So, I, I you know, in, in looking at the hits he's taken over the years, quarterback hits, literally the QHs, when he's hit while throwing the ball, those, those are the hardest hits a quarterback takes. Even yeah. sacks are usually less because the quarterback is usually preparing to go down uh, if, if they're well behind the line of scrimmage, even a pocket quarterback. Or uh, in Lamar's case, it's usually m- most sacks are minus three, minus two, minus one, or zero, where he's taken off to run already. And then the, the, how he's taken down is more like a, a traditionally like a runner where he's controlling his fall more than if he's in the act of throwing the football. So I, I'm I'm not as as thoroughly concerned about that, but I do not want to see him taking multiple hits on the same play. Getting hit yeah. by two players, getting rolled over by 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 really big guys, that scares me. Yeah, and I just like I said, it's it's cool that they scheme the offense around, you know, that talent. But like I think we we took Tyrod here. He didn't really get a shot here. But when he went to Buffalo, like he was running a good amount. I think I looked, he was averaging eighty to hundred rushes a year about 500 yards, about five touchdowns. So when Roman had Tyrod in Buffalo, like he was using him, you know, to a lighter version of what Lamar is doing. But um, Kaepernick, I didn't look up his numbers, but I remember that year like that we played them in the playoffs. He was running a lot. I think he has the record for rushing yards in a playoff game. So, you know, Roman, if if, you're, if his quarterback can run, he'll let him use that ability. Um, you know, I think that's why a lot of fans kind of have issues with Roman at times. Like, hey, man, like, this guy's got a good arm, too. Like, Kaepernick didn't have that arm. Tyrod didn't have that arm. Lamar's got a real legit arm. You know, like, we got real good receivers. Um, let's see the true dual threat aspect of it. We've seen the running as good as anybody. Now let's see if he can throw as good as anybody because we see flashes of it, you know, from game to game. But like we've seen with Indianapolis, he had one of the greatest passing performances ever. Right. So that's what I said. He's like the culmination of a true dual threat quarterback he can't just run he can run as good as anybody and he can throw as good as anybody i know ozzy has to be smiling like i finally got my guy (laughs) he's he's been very handicapped certainly by by who the offensive line is this year and uh they're they're very weak at both tackles even when mccary was in there they were having to to protect his side but villanueva has been you know basically pushed into his lap all year uh, mm-hmm. At left tackle, he's very good with that pressure, uh, but they need to get him some help, and they, they're really going to need to stock up on the offensive line and the defensive line again. It's it's hard hard to say this because you know you just signed your your tackle to a big deal, and then you you have to get a new tackle, yeah. and that's honestly where they are at this point. Yeah, it's a difficult situation because we saw 2019. Like looking back, that line was a you know you had. Yeah. You had Zeus on one side, Stanley on one side, yeah. Yonder kind of controlling things in the middle. Um, I can't remember who was playing left guard at that point. Uh, yeah, McCarr, was it Bozeman in 2019? Uh, yes, at least at least for some of that season. Because Skirl was center until he Skirl, got hurt, yeah. and then McCarr took over. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you got three linchpin players on that line, and that's when he looked at his best. Like, you know, and even, you know, in Roman's defense, he's got a – 
game plan around the same offensive line that's struggling as Lamar has to play behind. And like in 2019, you just seen them in a rhythm where like whatever play they wanted, it seemed like they were two steps ahead of the defense. And they were able to because they could get him time. They could get him wherever they really wanted. That Like that line could open holes for him to run outside, inside, whatever. Whereas now, like you said, he's getting pressure from both sides. He's getting pressure kind of up the middle. Not really pressure, but those guys are getting pushed back. Um, you got older backs like in the Miami game. They don't really – they can't really pick up the blitzes or really figure out, you know, like the slides. It's just a mess when he's dropping back. Um, sure it would be nice to see him comfortable behind a clean pocket again and really see how – what heights he could get to. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd certainly love to see that. I mean, we, I want to see a uh... – they've been this in this pattern of going back and forth between teams that just blitz the hell out of them, which Denver did, which, which uh, San Diego did and which Miami did and teams that, that want to use a four man rush against them, uh, which they can sometimes do effectively if they've got good outside winners against the Ravens tackles. And you know, that, that can work also, but I, I'd like to see them get into a pattern where other teams are afraid to bring the house against Lamar, because I think it frees up the run game and to get there, they're going to have to get legitimate threats at running back. Right now, no one buys that the Ravens running backs are a threat at all. Yeah. And so they, they say, I dare you to pass. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation for Lamar. So I, I hope coming out of this year, he doesn't get hurt. Uh, that's my, my, my main fear. I don't honestly have a lot of hope the Ravens are going places this year in terms of the playoffs. I don't think this team is really good enough with all the injuries to do it. But, uh, but I hope he doesn't get hurt. That's my main thing. Yeah, same. If he can get out healthy, um, I just love to see him. Like I said, with a full year, with a, a nice line, with the receivers we got now, like those are legit receivers that offense will have to respect the more they work them in. And then, like to see Lamar win a win a uh, Super Bowl playing this style. Because I was thinking back, also, um, you know, you got Cam. Cam made it to the Super Bowl, but he didn't win it. Uh, Russell Wilson, he won one, but he wasn't really a dual threat. He's got the rushing attempts, but. Like I said, you don't really think about him as um as a, a rush running quarterback like that. Um, McNair got to it and didn't win it. Um, you got um, also you got McNabb. He made it to the Super Bowl and didn't win it. Uh, Kaepernick made it to the Super Bowl, didn't win it. Vic never made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, so you would have to go back to Elway and Young are the only dual threat quarterbacks here recently um, that won one. I don't know Tarkenton. I don't think he ever won else before my time. Yeah, uh, Tarkenton never won a Super Bowl. He he lost, I think, three for the Vikings, actually. He lost uh, twice, once to the Dolphins, once to the Raiders, maybe once to the Steelers, I, I think those three. Yeah, so of the top ten, only Elway and Young have won it. Uh, Young still, when he was, you know, pretty fairly in his prime, Elway wasn't really quite the running threat at that point. But, mm-hmm. you know, the big play we all remember is him scrambling and diving into the end zone trying to win the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. it just would be nice going forward to see a young guy that can run, that can throw, get a Super Bowl and really get to the top of the league playing the style that he plays. Yeah. Uh, would would certainly love to see that. Uh, appreciate you uh, doing the show with us, Mike. I think this is a great trip down memory lane to hear about the old Ravens running quarterbacks. Tell people where they can talk football with you. Uh, so I'm just on Twitter. It's, it's Mr. MF. Um, you know, I like to interact about whatever. I uh, love my Ravens and, you know, that's just pretty much where you can find me. All right. You doing any podcasting now? No, sir. Nah, we've talked about doing some, but, you know, more just 
just chit-chatting and tweeting back and forth with people. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully you can be on the show when, when, we, uh, when we get the opportunity. Folks are out there. If you want to do a 25 years episode with me, we still got about 10 to record. Send me a couple bullet points. DMs are open. I'll get right back to you. We'll talk about uh, your potential idea. But again, we want something fairly narrow. Uh, Mike's picked something that's fairly narrow here, and, and we're able to talk at some depth about it in about 15 to 20 minutes. That's just what we want. Uh, Mike, thanks again for being on. Yes, sir. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Thank you.